Okay, let's head back to the book of Acts this morning. This special series that we're in uh, here in the month of September. And I'm glad that you are here for week three of our walk through Acts today. The series is called You Will Be My Witnesses. In week one, we looked at, at chapters three and four in a message entitled No Other Name. And last Sunday, Pastor Bryce was in Acts chapter 5 and uh, talking about the persecution uh, that took place. This morning, we're going to start in Acts chapter 2, and so actually backtrack just a little bit, uh, but then we will move forward through the book of Acts. So head for Acts chapter 2 this morning. I want to thank all of you for praying for me these past couple of weeks while I was in the Republic of Congo, and we had such a... A uh, great trip and, and uh, so many wonderful things that I could share with you today. We had um, trainings in Pointe Noir, and then we also had trainings in Brazzaville. And the last day of our training in both cities, we had uh, a graduation, a certificate for those who have completed uh, all eight of the essentials of a purpose-driven church. And I'm telling you, I, I wish every one of you could have been there uh, at the, those ceremonies. What a special time it was. They were so excited uh, to get their certificates and to go out and to train people in their own country, uh, in the cities and villages around their country. And I, I was just, I couldn't hold back the tears as they came up just because they were so excited. And every single one of them had to get like five pictures, you know. And in Africa, uh, you got to take a picture this way, and then you got to turn it, and you take it this way, and then you got to turn it again and take it the other way again. And so every single one that came up, I'm shaking hands and trying to hold my smile for like five photos. And then we had to do like 10 group photos, and, and it was a, a great trip. Uh, Finished the training uh, in Brazzaville on Wednesday afternoon and had to go straight to the airport uh, to catch my flight home. And, and so we had a wonderful meeting there. And many of you give toward the Congo Project. And I'm telling you, uh, those are eternal investments that you're making in the lives of those people. Uh, God is moving through them and doing what we cannot do. Uh, as a church, we could not go, all of us, over to Congo and speak French and go out to villages and uh, reach people for Christ and train them to serve Him. But through the Congo Project, we're able to do that in a remarkable and miraculous way. And so I just want to thank you for your investment uh, in that work. And as we go into Acts 2, I uh, also want to explain just a little bit about our mission banquet that's coming up on the evening of October 30th. Uh, this year, we would like to have 20 table captains. And a table captain has just three important tasks. Uh, the first one is to try to get eight people to sit at your table. And you're one of the people, so you only have to get seven, okay? Uh, they could be from your small group or your ser serve team, uh, people that you've never really connected with before you'd like to get to meet. They could be family members. Uh, so the table captain has to make sure there are at least eight people at the table. And if you need extra seats, we can go up to 10 at each table. Uh, the table captain also 
uh, needs to have a mission-themed centerpiece for the table, and it can be from any place in the world. Any idea is a great idea. Be as creative or as dull as you would like to be. Uh, task three is for the table captain to oversee the special projects offering for the table. Uh, every table will have an, an envelope for a special projects offering, and we're going to try to raise between $100 and $500 at each table uh, for five special projects that we're looking at uh, for this mission banquet. I'm going to share those projects with you throughout the month of October, and we're going to have a Sunday when table captains uh, can choose which special project you want for your table. And so those are the three tasks for a table captain, not too difficult. Uh, sign people up, centerpiece, and oversee the offering. And if you're willing to be a table captain, we are starting to accept volunteers today, right after the service, and you can sign up at Connection Point in the lobby. And so don't forget about that. Also, don't forget next Sunday, uh, we have Next Step Classes 101 and 401. And if you've never taken 101, I hope you'll do that next Sunday. It's an introduction uh, to what Centennial is. And then uh, 401 is a class on how to win a soul to Jesus Christ, how to bring someone into the family of God. Acts chapter 2, verse number 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all the believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with the Lord of the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, we know that uh, the early church relied fully upon the power of God and the simplicity of the gospel. Read through Acts, sometimes wonder, uh, how did the early church turn the world upside down in less than 30 years? And the answer is through spiritual math, uh, through addition and multiplication. And that's our title this morning, Addition and Multiplication. And believe it or not, uh, God's Word in the book of Acts talks a whole lot about math. Now, how many of you in school, you liked math? It was one of the ones you liked. Okay, and how many of you not so much? Okay, well, we will try to deal with both groups today. Both groups this morning, uh, because God's math always works best. Yeah, let's find out what God's math is this morning, and it's very simple. Uh, the notes are provided in your bulletin and on the YouVersion app if you want to follow along. Let's talk first about adding souls, adding souls. We already read in Acts 2, but look again at verse 47. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So after the miracle at Pentecost, believers were constantly sharing their faith 
in a very personal way. And people were being saved daily and added to the church. Uh, looks to, look to Acts chapter 5. And I want you to see a verse there. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women. Okay, so uh, we've got the addition stage here. Uh, daily adding and then even more addition. And addition takes place when one person tells another person about Jesus. And that person surrenders his life to Christ. It's all first level. Now let me have, uh, might help illustrate this for me today. Let's see, what, what kids could I get that would want to help me, all right? There's one right there. Uh, I need some other kids. Yeah, okay, two more over there. Very good. And one more right here. Okay, we'll start with these four. And we'll have, we'll have a chance later for some more. Come right on up. Hurry, quick, quick. All right. Ben, this isn't Ben, this is John. Sorry, sorry, Ben. All right, sorry, John. What's your name? Okay, this is Ben. Oh, this is John. Um, so John is our witness, and he is going to tell other people about Jesus. And so he tells a person, okay, and then he tells another person, and then he tells another person. And this is called addition. Because he's telling each one himself. Okay? Now, there's some things about John that we should know. Uh, John is being used by God to add people into the kingdom of God. That's a wonderful thing. But John is also limited by a lot of things. Okay? Uh, he's a human being. So he can't possibly, on his own, tell every single person, can he? Right? He needs a little help. And so this is the addition stage. So he has brought three people into the kingdom of God. That's a wonderful thing. All right, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, John. All right. Now, think about, uh, think about this. When there uh, is sowing, there is the possibility of reaping. Okay? When there is no sowing... You don't even have the possibility of reaping. And you have to think about this for a second. You do not reap souls on accident. Okay? You have to sow seed. You have to be a witness. And we know that Jesus has called us to be witnesses. Uh, a person who never speaks about Jesus can't possibly be a witness. Now, why were souls being added to the church? Why were believers being added to the Lord? Because believers were sharing their faith. And sharing Jesus is the most awesome privilege that we have. It's also the most awesome responsibility that we have. It is impossible to be an obedient Christian without sharing your faith. Now I want to move to Acts chapter 6. And let's continue by reading a couple verses there. All right, Acts chapter 6, look at verse number 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied. Did you see that? We went from addition to multiplication. Now look at verse number 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. 
So we can see now that the term has changed to multiplying souls. Okay? Addition is one person telling another person. But multiplication is incredible. It happens when a person who has already been told tells another person on his own. And multiplication is when witnessing skips through generations. Now, we understand another important principle here. Uh, when there is more sowing, there is more reaping. How much we reap is in proportion to how much seed is sown. Okay? If you plant uh, 10 tomato seeds in your garden, you're going to probably get, you know, eight plants. If you plant 200 tomato seeds in your garden, you're going to have more plants than Ben Manon, okay? You're going to have boxes of tomatoes at this time of year. Now, why? Because you plant more seeds. And the more seeds you plant, uh, the news of the gospel, the more reaping takes place. But how much we reap is in proportion to how much we sow. Now, every single one of us is limited in some way. Uh, some people are physically limited. Some are intellectually limited. So, some are socially limited. Uh, we're all morally limited because we're sinners. And, and there's only so much that one person can do. But an extraordinary thing happens when we multiply souls. Now, I want those same kids to come back up here again. We're going to show multiplication. All right? So we got John. Come here, John. Quick. <clears throat> I won't mess your name up this time. Come on. All right. So John is going to tell a person about Jesus. Now watch that. Okay. Now that person is going to tell two more people about Jesus. Okay. More kids. Hurry. Just come. Just come. We're multiplying. Come. Hurry. All right. Now each of them is going to tell two people. Okay. Yeah, look at this. Now watch what just happened. We went from one to the next one, and then we started multiplying. Okay? So this is going to keep multiplying. You, you want to know how villages and cities and nations are changed? By spiritual multiplication. That's how they're changed, right? Thank you, guys. You did great. Uh, now, when we have multiplication that takes place, uh, we begin to see entire communities changed by the gospel. And if every believer could reach two people a year for Christ and disciple those people to share faith, and then those two people reach two people a year and disciple people to share faith, the math starts to become very friendly. And it is biblical math. It is a biblical principle. I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2. And I want to highlight this verse on discipleship, on biblical multiplication. This is one of the most important concepts in all of the New Testament. Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2. <clears throat> Paul tells Timothy this, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Okay? So in this verse, we see four generations. Okay? We see Paul uh, teaching Timothy. 
Timothy teaching faithful men and those faithful men teaching other faithful men. And so uh, this, this is an amazing concept, biblical multiplication. Uh, did you ever try to trick your parents? <clears throat> now, I know that's kind of an open-ended question, right? Uh, specifically, did you ever try to trick your parents about your allowance? All right, now one day, uh, somebody had a bright idea, and this has been passed down through generations. And, and so you go in and you say, Dad and Mom, instead of giving me my normal allowance, can you just give me a penny this week? And then every week, just double it. Okay? And Dad and Mom, they think, well, that sounds pretty good, right? But you know, if you sit down and do the math, by the 20th, 28th week, you are at $1,342,177.20, right? On the 28th week. And now you can see how they turned the world upside down in less than 30 years. People just kept sharing their faith. And then new believers shared their faith. And those new believers shared their faith. If every person who was saved on the day of Pentecost devoted themselves to being Timothy 2 Christians for 30 years, you end up with over 3 billion Christians. Now, obviously, there weren't even that many people on the earth in the first century. And there was great persecution against Christians. Many of them were martyred within uh, one to five years of Pentecost. But you can see where the math goes. And, and so I'm hoping there's a breakthrough that's happening in your mind right now. Because the most important job that you have is to faithfully make disciples for Jesus for all the days he gives you. And the core of that most important job is to make disciples of your own kids. If you would be faithful to do that, only heaven knows what the ripple effect will be. And so many times we are overwhelmed by the thought of reaching the world for Christ. It is the enemy who wants you to feel overwhelmed. Instead, just be faithful to make a disciple. And then another disciple, and then another disciple. There's no timetable. Make a disciple until that person's ready to make a disciple. What an incredible plan God has given us for reaching the world. And what's the plan lacking? The plan is lacking faithful Christians. You know, the only request that Jesus ever made was to pray to the Lord of harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. It's the only prayer request Jesus ever gave us. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. And it could be that as you sit here this morning, you're understanding that God moves through ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And you're understanding that, uh, that God would use you to make disciples, starting with one. It just so happens that we have one-on-one -on -one discipleship training right here at Centennial. And if you're interested in knowing more about how you can fulfill God's plan for reaching the world, at the end of the service today, you're going to have an opportunity to request information about them. And I promise you, the only thing better than reaching someone for Christ is to hear 
when that person reaches someone else for Christ. The multiplying of souls is the greatest opportunity God has ever given us. But in Acts, uh, there was more than just the adding and multiplying of souls. There was also the adding and multiplying of churches. And uh, so let's go to Acts chapter 8. And I want to show you this concept. Uh, this took place less than a year after the resurrection of Jesus. Persecution had scattered the believers in Jerusalem. And this was actually part of God's plan to reach Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse number 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many were taken with palsies, and they were lame and were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Here's Philip. He's one of the first deacons in the Jerusalem church. He travels to Samaria. He preaches Christ to the people. And the Samaritans lived in the same local area as everybody else, but they were an overlooked group in the area. They were outcasts. And wouldn't you believe it, the gospel worked in their lives just like it had worked in the lives of the Jews. And soon a new church was growing there because of a willing church planner. And the church added, the church at Jerusalem added the church of Samaria as a first level church Addition is when one church commissions someone to go and start another church. And, and the church of Jerusalem offered support for this new church plan at Samaria. Philip began to baptize believers into the church on a regular basis, both men and women. Uh, Peter and John were sent to Samaria to instruct the new church about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 11 tells us that some of the scattered believers from Jerusalem went and planted another church in Antioch in Syria. And the Jerusalem church supported their efforts. They sent Barnabas to help them. And Barnabas went to Tarsus and looked for a new convert named Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus later became Paul the apostle. He would travel all around the world, adding churches to the church at Antioch, which added to the church at Jerusalem. Of course, this means we're now talking about multiplying churches. So I want you to go to Acts 9 now. And let's look at one verse there. <clears throat> okay, Acts 9, verse number 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified and walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and they were multiplied. Okay, they were multiplied. Now look at chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 5. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Okay, so the math works the same for souls as it does for churches. Healthy churches birth churches that birth more churches. Whether those churches are in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or the uttermost parts of the earth. 
for many years at Centennial, we supported uh, a dear man from India named Justice Banwell. And Brother Justice came to our church many times. He was a church planter in, in South India, mainly in the state of Tamil Nadu, uh, but also in the state of Kerala. And over his ministry, he personally planted scores of churches. And those churches began to plant new churches. One village would have a little church. Someone would be saved in that church. And then they would desire to go to the village next door to tell them about Jesus. Brother Justice passed away several years ago. But at the time of his passing, through God's math, through church multiplication, there were over 500 churches because of his ministry. And several weeks ago when I was in India... I was honored to meet with close to 100 of the pastors uh, in a few different lo locations, still faithfully serving, still seeing people save, and multiplication is still taking place. Hindu government cannot stop God's math. In fact, some of the most persecuted Christians in the world are seeing exponential growth. Thousands of house churches in North hundreds of thousands of house churches in China. Uh, believers abundantly multiplying in Sudan. Churches are springing up in Iran like never before. All of them hidden from the authorities and most of them led by women because there are no men believers. It has been 2,000 years and I'm telling you folks, God's multiplication is still happening. There are hundreds of Christian churches being started every day around the world. But what has happened to the places where missionaries were being sent from 50 years or 100 years ago? Some of the great multiplication centers in Europe and the United States, you know, many of them are gone. Nothing but empty buildings or buildings that have become museums or schools, clubs. What happened? They stopped adding. And when there is there is for sure no multiplication. How do churches die? Well, it's re really easy to figure out. They stop making disciples. People don't even capture the hearts of their own children for Christ. There is this sad generational dip. It's not a new thing. It's been happening for hundreds of years. Uh, First-generation Christians have a heart for God, a hunger and thirst for His Word, a passion for the souls around them. Second generation believers are basically just there because of how they were raised. They participate, but their hearts aren't really engaged. Third generation Christians are Christians in name only. They aren't even believers, and their kids are pagans. You say, Pastor, how do we make it work here? How, how can it work here? We make disciples. See, making disciples is really the only way to make a, dis a difference. Uh, uh, believe it or not, this is the only plan Jesus gave us, right? Making disciples is his only plan for reaching the world. And when we do it, the math works. And when we don't do it, churches die. Amy and I have prayed for years that, that our kids would grow up to be closer to God than we are. Yeah, that's still our constant. Actively making disciples out of them. We have to open God's word with them at home. 
We have to teach them how mighty God is in creation. We have to rehearse the incredible miracles God has done in our lives. We have to walk through what prayer is on a regular basis. I got a kick out of something several weeks ago. I was headed for India, and I was still in Boise, and they wouldn't let me board my first flight for Los Angeles because I didn't have an approved visa number for Australia. They wouldn't even let me go to the gate. And, and so I'm standing at the Delta desk in the front of the airport, and I'm trying to find the right website or app or whatever, and the plane is going to be leaving, like when, in 30 minutes. And so Amy called. I said, I can't talk right now. Uh, this is what's happening. And she said, I'll have the kids pray. And, and so I finally found this app and completed a form and showed it to the agent. And he said, well, it's not in our system yet, so you can't get on the plane. And so I said, well, can I at least just go to the gate to wait? And that way, if I prove it, then I'm on the flight. And so he let me go to the gate. And so I made it to the gate, and the agent there said, you can't get on the plane. You don't, your form's not approved yet. And so I'm waiting. I'm standing there waiting. And she had just said, uh, doors closing, doors closing. And so I went up there again and waved at her, and she said, you're approved. And I got on the plane. And of course, I got on the plane, and I shared with Amy, I made it on. And so she sent me this video of Titus and Holland dancing and cheering that God answered their prayer. Neither one of them really understands prayer, but they just know it's fun, right? And I'm sitting in the seat on the airplane with tears coming down my cheeks, because this is a huge lesson for those kids that their God answers prayer. And, and the first disciples that we make are always under our own roof. But beyond that, every Christian can reach and train someone. We all can. God's not looking for Christian superstars. God's looking for ordinary people that he can empower to be used by him. And uh, we will even teach you how to do it. At whatever suits your gifting. I told you earlier that we have one-on-one -on -one discipleship training. Uh, men meet with men. Ladies meet with ladies. You meet once a week for an hour for about three or four months. And uh, by the time you're finished, you've been praying and working toward making your own disciple. And I urge every believer to consider being a part, no matter what age or stage of life you're in. And maybe you used to be active in make, making disciples, but you've gotten out of the habit. It could be that the pandemic knocked out the habit in your life. Maybe there have been distractions that have stopped you from the most important calling God has given to every believer. And I'm praying that many, many people in this place today will commit or recommit to making disciples. Uh, our ushers are coming to give you a little card before we close in prayer today. And at the top portion of it is for your information. It just tells a little bit about uh, God's model of discipleship and his plan for reaching the world. The bottom is a tear-off that you can hand back in. And the ushers will be in the lobby with offering buckets as you go out. And if God is touching your heart about being active and making disciples, I hope that you won't leave this place today until you've filled out the card. And uh, the ushers will collect those, and then we will uh, contact.
impact you based on the category that you mark. Uh, I hope and pray, uh, you go ahead and hand about Bill. I hope and pray we all understand the faith challenge today. Uh, multiplication of souls and churches always comes after addition. And uh, we don't get to participate in God's picture, big picture plan until we're active in making It all starts with one. And so the question is, who will be your one? Uh, there are so many things in this modern world that you can waste your life on. There are. Uh, whether you're a Christian or not, you literally could waste your life on millions of different things. And I am daring you today to do something different and to invest your life in eternity. And today we talked about the best way that anybody can invest their life in eternity. It's exactly what Jesus did while he was on the earth. He made disciples, and they made disciples, and they made disciples. And we have a calling to make disciples. God wants us to be a part. And so I'm going to ask you uh, to prayerfully fill out the bottom portion of that card, and then it's perforated, tear the portion off, and put it in the buckets as you leave today. I want to thank you for being so attentive, and I know that God will work at Centennial if we will make disciples. That is the simple plan that God has for reaching this city, this county, this state, this country, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you that we could get in your word for a little while this morning and be reminded of your plan for reaching the world. I pray that you would do a work in each of our hearts. I pray that you do a work in my heart. Uh, help me always to be making disciples, to always have a disciple that I'm working with until you call me home. And Lord, if we would just all do that, if we would just each make a disciple in the present, at the present time, the world could be changed for your glory and your honor. Take us from this place now, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.